Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love each one of us as we are. I thank you that you adopted us in as your children, Lord, that we are family, Lord. Thank you that you care so deeply and are so interested in every single detail of our lives. And I pray that today as we look at your word that you would remind us again of your love for us, Lord, that you draw us close to the Father's heart again today, that we would know who you are, Lord. We'd have a deeper and a wider understanding of your great love for us, I pray. And we thank you for it. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Would you give this incredible team a great hand this morning? Amazing. Awesome. You're looking good this morning. Give a smile to the person on your left. Give a frown to the person on your right. Or a cheeky smile, whatever you want to do. (laughs) Our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I said that every day at roll call at St. Catherine's Catholic College for my high school. And every single day at roll call, we would recite that prayer together, the Lord's Prayer. We'd say it together in a classroom. It just felt like ritual. It just felt like we were just going through the motions. Most people didn't have any connection with the Heavenly Father that we were speaking about or perhaps even a a true understanding of who He was, that He wasn't just a distant, far God, but He was a God that they could have a personal relationship with. It just felt like we were going through the motions, but what we were repeating is a, is a prayer that Jesus instructed us to pray. He actually taught us in Scripture, in Matthew chapter 6, to be able to pray this prayer to our Heavenly Father. It was a template, it was a guideline for each one of us to be able to connect with our Heavenly Father. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a kind of relationship with my Heavenly Father that's just distant, that's just ritual, that's just going through the motions, that's just about church services and all of those different things. But I want it to be personal and I want it to be real. The reality is we are not just about church services. We are not just about theological understanding. We are not just about uh, the different cultural things that we do as a church and the different traditions that we have. Even though we don't think we have traditions, we do. We're not just about going through the motions of doing those things. The reality of it is that each one of us are called to have a relationship with Jesus. I'm excited about a growing church that's moving forward, but we are growing in Christ. Not growing in just our services, not growing just in our rituals, but growing in Christ. And I love this passage because it reminds us that we can have a personal relationship with Jesus. I love the fact that it starts off with talking about our Father, that it's a family connection. It's the kind of relationship that is intimate and real. And I know that today can be a difficult day for people, for perhaps those that have lost their fathers, perhaps those that haven't had the greatest relationship with their father. Maybe even today you feel like there is a battle going on between yourself and your father and your earthly father. And it can be very difficult 
to comprehend a loving heavenly father when we can have such a bad image of our earthly fathers. And today I want us to be able to try and take those uh, glasses off of the way that we've perhaps seen the world and the way we've perhaps even seen our heavenly father, because a lot of that is filtered through the way that we see our earthly father. Perhaps you've had a bad image of that today, or even it's been a good image. But can I encourage you, there is more in Christ. There is more in God as we open up his word, as we really look to our heavenly father, we will never exhaust his great love for us. We will never be able to run further away than what he would come running after us because he loves us and he cares for us. He wants us to know him personally and intimately. And so Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 in the NIV translation says this, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father. Not some kind of distant God, but your father. Someone that is intimate and close. Somebody that cares about every single detail of your life. Somebody that knows more about you than you know about yourself. Somebody that knows about you even when you're in your room at home hiding. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows the turmoil on the inside. He knows the challenges. He knows more than just the smiley face that we perhaps have in a crowd. But he knows the genuine you. He knows what's really going on on the inside. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Isn't that a comforting thought? I don't know about you, but has there ever been times in your life where you've just run out of things to pray? Or perhaps you don't even know how to articulate what you want from God. You don't even need to know how to articulate how you're feeling. But God already knows. He knows before you even say a word. He knows your thoughts before you even think them. He knows every single detail of your life. Isn't that incredible to know that God is that detailed about us? It goes on to say, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when you sin against you, or sorry, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What a powerful passage of Scripture. It's a great reminder to every one of us about the intimacy that we are called to have with God. That, it's, that prayer is simply talking to God. It's not fake words or babbling as we've been instructed here in Scripture, but it's genuine. It's personal. It's behind closed doors when nobody else sees it. It's a connection between you and God that you don't have to perform or entertain. It's just you sharing your heart with God. I love the Psalms. I love the Bible because it does, just doesn't give you the good parts, but it gives you the bad and the ugly parts. The Psalm is so The Psalms are so full of scriptures of people pouring out their heart to God. God, why is this happening? Why is this person uh, attacking me? Why are these bad things happening in my life? And it's just a person genuinely pouring out their heart to God. Why would God include that? 
Because he wants us to understand. In his word, it's about being authentic and it's about being real. It's not about us coming and showing our perfect image, but it's about us coming to our heavenly father just as we are. Isn't it comforting to know that we don't have to be perfect to come to God? That we don't have to put on this image or talk this certain way or use thys and thous. We can just come to our Heavenly Father and just talk to Him openly and honestly. It's a great reminder on this Father's Day that God loves us. And you know what reminds me in this passage is that it teaches us how to pray. It teaches us how to communicate and connect with God. But it also teaches us a lot about who God is. When we look at this passage, it helps us to be able to understand some theology about who our God is and have a greater understanding on how to communicate with Him because of who He actually is. And I truly believe that the Christian faith is really us growing in our understanding of who God is. God's God, but we have all of these filters on our life. We see the world through our own unique filter, through our experiences, our pain, the things that we've, ex- that we've gone through in our life that have brought us to this point, our temperament, our personalities, all of the things that we see this particular world through. But the journey for each one of us is actually trying to start to see things God's way. How does he see you? How does he see the world? How does he see those that have actually done wrong by you? How does he see the church? How does he see the future for you and the purpose that he has for your life? And helping us to be able to open our eyes to who God actually is. Many of us have had a wrong concept of God because of the wrong concept of relationships that we've had with people that are in authority over our lives. And oftentimes we can find ourselves measuring up against God and not seeing a true image of who God is. So I'm going to give you a rapid fire this morning. Seven things we learn about our Heavenly Father in the Lord's Prayer. The first one's this, number one, our Father knows all things about us. We go back to Matthew chapter 6. It says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Scripture says he knows the amount of hairs on your head. He knows your worries. He knows your concerns. He knows the things that bother you at night. He knows exactly what you are facing. He knows where you are right now, and he knows where you'll be in one year's time. He knows all of the details of your life. Never can we understand that we are going to surprise God. He's never going to be surprised by your behavior. He's never going to be surprised by your sin or your falling down or what you've done wrong. Those things are not going to surprise him because he already knows all the things that you've done, that you will do, and that you will do into the future as well. I love in this passage, if we look at it in the, the the, the, the Passion Translation, it says this, whenever you pray... Be sincere and not like the pretenders who love the attention they receive while praying before others in the meetings and on street corners. Believe me, they've already received in full their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your innermost chamber and be alone with Father God, praying to Him in secret. And your Father who sees all you need will reward you Openly, When you pray, there is no need to repeat empty phrases, praying like those who don't know God, for they expect God to hear them because of their many words. There is no need to imitate them, since your Father already knows what you need before you ask them. It's not a performance. See, God is relational. He's not transactional. 
He wants to know you intimately and in a genuine way. He's not about you performing in those moments. He's not about you trying to entertain. He doesn't want entertainment. He wants authenticity. And sometimes I think in the culture that we live today, we are so enamored with entertainment. We are so enamored with the next performance, the next big thing that's happening, and and the lights, the camera, the action, the concert, this is what's going on. Entertain me. We want to see movies. We want to see Netflix. We want to see things that are going to entertain our lives in the bigger and the better and the more spectacular, the, the more that we want it. But the thing about God, is we don't have to try and entertain in that way. He's not looking for you to put on a performance, to show your Sunday best and to show that you're better than everybody else and to speak in a different, different way when you're in front of everybody else, but then when, when you're by yourself, it's completely different. He's not wanting you to put on a performance to earn your salvation. He's not wanting you to put on a performance to earn his love and earn his grace. You think about yourself as just a natural father. You love your child as they are. When they come out of the womb, they have done nothing but cause your wife pain. They have done nothing but cause incredible pain and cost. And you're getting prepared for this child and paying for cots and clothes and nappies and all these things. They've been an expense. They haven't put their best foot forward. They've caused your wife pain throughout all of those nine months. You've been nervous waiting for this child to arrive and then a painful entry to the world. This child's done nothing to earn your love, but what do you do? You hold that child and you love them as they are. It feels like they've done nothing to deserve it, but there is this incredible amount of love you have for this child. And it's the same for us when it comes to a heavenly father. You can't impress him. You can't make him love you any more than he already loves you. It's already enough. See, I I see in Hollywood, there's so many people that entertain other people, musicians and and actors and different people that are recording artists and different people that spend so much of their time entertaining others. But what do we see in Hollywood? We see an epidemic of depression. We see an epidemic of people spiraling down. They feel like their life is falling apart because they've spent so much of their time entertaining others but they just desire someone to love them for who they are. Not the entertainer, not the performer, but just them as a person. And many of them grapple with that and struggle because nobody just loves them for them. Can I tell you, your heavenly father loves you as you are. You can perform no other greater work. You can do nothing that's going to actually cause him to love you any more than what he loves you right now. What we do out of serving him and living with purpose is out of obedience to his word and because we love him. The Bible says if we love him, we will obey his commandments. We don't do it out of ritual and because we have to. We do it because we love God. It's a leaning into his purpose, but it doesn't earn his love. His love was already given to us on the cross when Jesus died for us so that we could receive that relationship with him. So much of what we do at times can feel like a performance. I love in Ephesians 1 verse 4, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Do you know that you are without fault in his eyes? So much of our time is spent reminding ourselves of our own faults. We look in the mirror and we see things that we don't like. We look in the mirror and we see things about our appearance that we just wish we could change. I don't like this. I don't like that. But if we go a little bit deeper for a moment, we look into ourselves and at times there's things we don't like. 
We don't like our personality. We don't like the way we come across. We don't like the, the fact that we don't fit in. We don't like the fact that God, the people around us perhaps don't know what's really going on on the inside of us. We don't like so many things about ourselves, and there's so many faults that we can find about ourselves. We don't need to ask somebody else to point out our faults. We already all know them. We already spend so much time going over them. But can I say this? God spends no time going over your faults. He spends all his time loving you, all his time directing his love towards you. We don't have to entertain. We don't have to perform. All we're called to do is be authentic in our relationship with Jesus. So much is about entertainment in this world. A couple of years ago, we got this call from a friend of a friend of uh, Kevin Brett, previous senior pastors here. And um, he got this call that they had this friend that was in Katoomba Hospital. And this friend was saying that they had, they felt like they had a demon in them. And so they wanted somebody to go up and give some pastoral support to this person up at Katoomba Hospital. And so Kevin did what every great leader does. He delegated. (laughs) And he delegated to me. And so here I go. I go up to Katoomba Hospital by myself. He said, just, just Ben, just go and sort it out. Cast the demon out if you need to. Go and pray for him. Go and, go and do whatever you need to do and just give him some pastoral support and go up there and do it. All right. oh, okay, no worries. I've got no idea who this person is except for a name. I get up to Katoomba Hospital. Um, I, I get in there. They take me through all the security checks and I get into the inner sanctum of where um, all, all of the, the people with all of these uh, huge mental issues are, are battling these things. And I, I get in there. And then they say, all right, we've got a room for you. We're going to take you in. And I'll explain to them the situation. We're going to take you into this room here. And uh, you can go in here by yourself with this person and spend some time and pray with them. And so I go in with this guy into this room. The door gets shut. And I'm, sit- I'm-, I'm sitting here with this person. I'm thinking, oh, what's going to go down now? This person, they're looking wild in their eyes. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be interesting. And so I sit down and we start having this conversation and this guy is talking to me. He says, I believe I've got, a, I've got a demon in me. And I said, well, are you a believer in Jesus? I said, yes, I believe in Jesus. And I'm saying, well, I don't believe that you can have light and darkness in the same, in the same shell. So if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus, I don't believe that you're suffering with that. He said, well, I do. I said, well, all right, well, let's hedge our bets. I'll pray for you right now. And so I start praying for him. I, I lay my hands on him and I start praying for this guy. And uh, I, I just prayed through a simple prayer and just prayed for, for release on his life. And uh, anyway, he, he looks at me and he's like, no, you need to yell it. You need to do it with authority. You need, to, you need to scream it at me. And I'm like, well, listen, it's the same God whether I scream it or whether I whisper it. And so he's, he's, he's going, no, you need to scream at me. Need to, okay, all right. All right. If you want to, I'll give you the performance. And so I, I'm praying for him. I'm a preacher anyway. I'll preach at you if you need me to. And so I'm doing it. And then now he's like, all right, now, now, now whisper. Let the breath of God come. And, and he's, going, he's going, breathe on me. Like, and I'm like... By this point, I'm like, performance is over. <laughs> Sydney, listen to me. You are not healed by the power of Ben. You are healed by the power of Jesus. So whether I shout it or whether I whisper it or whether I do somewhere in between, if I even do a monotone prayer, the power of God is not limited by the way I do it high or low. His power will work in your life and bring about healing in your life. And I thought, this guy wants the performance. And so it ended up, our meeting kind of ended. I talked to him and he's, oh, I need to find somebody that's an intercessor. I need to find somebody that can really cast this out. And I said, okay, no worries. I'll leave you to it. (laughs) And I got out of there. 
Because what this man was looking for, he was looking for the entertainment. He was looking for the performance. He wasn't looking for the genuine. And can I say in your life, when it comes to your prayer life, you don't have to try and talk loud, do this. I know at church we even say this, it goes against probably our culture, but we say, lift up your hands, do this. Listen, you can worship God in any way that you want. I probably shouldn't say this, but you can even sit down and worship God. You can even not put your hands up and worship God. I'm sorry, worship team. You can even not engage in that way. You can have your hands in your pockets and still worship God. It's not about your posture or your performance or your entertainment. It's about your authenticity with God. Ultimately, as a church, it's about us connecting with God and growing in Christ. We're not about growing services. We're about growing in Christ. Growing services is a result of growing in Christ. And I thank God for that. I thank you. Thank God for the moving forward in our church in many different layers, in many different areas. But I never want to forget that it's only as deep as we go with Christ. It's our relationship with Him that matters most. It's amazing how we see our faults and we see the entertainment that we forget about the fact that we're just called to be authentic. The second thing this morning is this. Our Father is always accessible. Matthew 6 verse 9 says, This then is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. See, many of us have experienced a Father that hasn't been accessible, that hasn't been there when we've needed them. There hasn't been the person we could turn to when we needed the most. Perhaps they've passed away or perhaps there's been a father that's been absent in our life. And therefore we start to have an understanding in our life that perhaps God's not going to be there for us. Perhaps if we're not good enough, if we don't have the right sort of behavior, if we don't pray the right way, if we don't go to church enough, if we don't live out the right way and behave the right way, God's going to abandon us. God doesn't do that. God never abandons us. It's us that abandons him. He's there. He wants relationship with us. He wants to know us in a genuine, authentic way. He is always accessible. He is like the Wi-Fi that never runs out. He's like the Wi-Fi that never has technical issues. Prayer is like something that we can always do. There is always a connection. It doesn't matter how bad your situation is. It doesn't matter how far you feel like you've run from God. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. It doesn't matter how good of a season you think you're in. God is there. He's not distant. He's not far away. He's there. Even when you don't feel like he's there, he's there. And that's where faith starts to come in. Because there are moments in our life where we don't feel like we are close to our Heavenly Father. There are seasons and times where it feels like it's hard. We've got to understand God wants to have that genuine relationship. I love Levi Lusco. He said this, If things we do for God aren't fueled by the time we spend with God, we will begin to act like we're God. Let me say that again one more time. If the things we do for God aren't fueled by the time we spend with God, we will begin to act like we're God. Isn't that true? That we at times can find ourselves doing all the right things, acting all the right ways, but can be so far from God. And God would say, you know what? I don't want just your sacrifice. I want your obedience. I want your relationship with me. I want the connection, that life-flowing relationship that talks about us being connected with God, connected to the vine, that we would bear much fruit. It's not about just bearing the fruit. It's about the connection with God that matters. It's about genuinely and authentically knowing God in prayer, in reading our Bible. That is the most transformative thing that we can do. I thank God for services and corporate gatherings, but I love that Christianity is personal. 
I love that it's real for every one of us. Because otherwise, all we are doing is bringing people to a great tradition. It must go beyond that. It must get more deeper than that. It must get personal. Have you noticed children, they don't care what you're doing. They feel like you are accessible all the time. You might be feeling like you're having the most important meeting in the world, but when they arrive at the office, they don't care. They'll burst straight through those doors. They'll jump up onto your knee. They'll get involved. You might be having an important phone call. Mums, can I get an amen? Talking to someone on the phone, trying to sort something out. That child doesn't care. They're pulling on your leg. They're crying. They're screaming. They want something to eat. They don't care what you're doing. They just want your attention. And it's the same for us with our Heavenly Father. He's always accessible. He's not in an important meeting and unavailable right now. He is always available to us, no matter what we are facing. He always wants to have that connection with us. Thirdly, this morning, our Father wants us to live at a new altitude. It says in Matthew 6, verse 10, Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, our Heavenly Father, He wants to lift the standard of our life. He doesn't just want us to have an earthly perspective. If we had an earthly perspective, we'd be just thinking about building up our life for the 80 or hopefully 90 years that we have here on this earth. We'd be thinking only about our financial stability. We'd be thinking only about what we are accumulating for ourselves. We'd be thinking about the entertainment that we can receive. We're thinking about all the things that are going to give our life pleasure. But have you noticed Christianity is turning that around? And it's all about trying to find a way to be able to serve others, trying to find a way to be a blessing towards others that we wouldn't look at our life even as our own, but we look at our life as as we could be a servant towards Jesus Christ. We could be a servant to our world that's hurting and in need of relationship with Him. And it's funny how when we start to live that way, we actually start to find meaning and purpose in our life. There are many multi-millionaires that are unhappy. There are many people that have millions of followers on Instagram or Facebook but are still unhappy. There are many people that have all the fame and notoriety that this world could give, wealth and all the things that go with that, but yet on the inside they are unhappy because ultimately when we serve ourselves, it leads to an end that is dark. But when we start to serve other people, it's amazing how that changes. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're trying to pull heaven down to earth. We're trying to have heaven's perspective on things. We're trying to see things God's way. Isn't it amazing when you start to drive up to somewhere where you can get a beautiful view, a lookout or something like that, or maybe go up and see the three sisters and you see this vast amount of beauty. You see this incredible view where you can come to the top and it just feels like in that moment, there's just beauty that surrounds you. In that moment, it feels like there's peace, there's calm, It just feels like everything in life is put into perspective because you see things from a different view. But how quickly then do we get in the car? We start winding back down the mountain. One of the kids yells out and makes a noise. There's frustration. Someone starts crying. A fight breaks out. You know, you think about things as you're driving along and there's traffic and the traffic's making you angry and you're losing your peace and you're frustrated. And all of a sudden you're seeing things again from an earthly perspective. You're seeing things from a perspective of your frustrations and your challenges and the things that are going on and your busyness and all the things you've got to do and accomplish. And we forget to see the perspective of heaven. Can I encourage you? When we pray, we start to get the perspective of heaven again. 
When we open up the Bible and we start to read it, we start to get the perspective of our Heavenly Father again. We start to see things from His view again. I love in Charles Spurgeon, he said this, Nobody ever outgrows Scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. Scripture always pulls us upwards. It always pulls us to a new perspective, to be able to see things from God's point of view. You know, if you want to see transformation in your life, if you want to see your relationship with God grow and develop, then it's not just about Sunday services. It's about getting in His Word. It's about making it your food daily and allowing it to transform your life. As you find out about who God is, you'll find out about who you are. As you read this book, it'll read you. As you open up its pages, there'll be inspiration. There'll be revelation that brings transformation on the inside of you. It's not just a ritual. It's not just things that we quote. It's powerful to change your life. It's not a novel that once you've read it once, it's over. It's something that just keeps reading and transforming in your life. See things from a different perspective. Get on your father's shoulders. You know what it's like as a kid when you just got onto your dad's shoulders and you can see things from a different point of view and you just love being up there. That's what reading the Word of God does. That's what getting His perspective in our life does. It just changes and transforms our life. Fourthly, this morning, our Father is our answer to need. It says in Matthew 6 verse 11, going back to the text, it says, Give us today our daily bread. Have you noticed with kids, they're not too concerned about how the food got in the cupboard. They're not too concerned about how the food got in the fridge. They just walk in there like they own the place, like they bought the food themselves, and they open up the pantry and they go in there and grab their food or they open up the fridge and they just help themselves. There's just a simple trust that you've got a cupboard. The shopping's been done. You've paid for it because of of the money that you've earned. All of the things that they need are there. But yet something happens to us. But we start off like that with God as children and we grow in our faith. And then for some reason, we start thinking that God is not going to have the food in the pantry for us. We start thinking that he's not going to be able to supply our needs because what happens is we start growing up ourselves, and we start thinking about how I've got to provide, how I've got to do this, how I've got to get my house, get my car, how I've got to pay off this loan, how I've got to do this. And we start getting on this treadmill of performance. And isn't our world so full of us trying to get to the next thing? And when we get close to it, it's almost like it's pulled away and there's another thing. But if I, got, if I got to that job, then I'd get to this income. If I got to, to live in that area, then I'd be happy. We'd be able to really settle there. But then you move in. A couple of years go by and you think, oh, but what about that place? Because I saw it on realestate.com. And we'll never be happy if we're just chasing those things. It's really about us understanding that our Heavenly Father is the source. Our Heavenly Father is the one that we need to run to, and He will provide our needs. He'll provide everything that we need. See, many of us spend so much time worrying. It says in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. The thought that I've got this morning is, don't be so concerned about worrying because if you're worrying it means you care be more concerned about caring about the more important things caring about God's love for you caring about the fact that he is your protector 
caring about the fact that he is your provider. It's amazing how worry will diminish when we start to worry about how much God loves us. Worrying about the things that are important, putting our cares on him in that way, how our cares and our worries and concerns, they just fall away. Psalm 145 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. God's got you covered. He's looking after the details of your life. Fifthly, this morning, our Father desires that we ascend above our brokenness. It says in Matthew 6 verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. The Bible talks about how we've all sinned and fallen short. In Romans 3 verse 24, But being freely justified by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What did God do? He created a boundary between us and sin. He said, you know what, for your protection, for your safety, we need to create a boundary here. And that boundary was brought about by the blood of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, sin had a price to pay. And someone had to pay that price. And so God, in his mercy, said, you know what, I'm going to pay that price by sending my son Jesus so that your price could be paid, so that there would be a boundary between you and sin, and you would be free from that. His blood is the boundary. Have you noticed how boundaries create freedom and protection? Boundaries around countries. I mean, there's a protection, there's a freedom in that country. Boundaries for children when they're growing up to protect their health. Why do we not just let our child have chocolate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Why is there a boundary there? It's for their protection. Why does our roads have boundaries and guardrails and things that try and, try and help us along the road? To protect us, to keep us safe. Boundaries are there for a purpose. And Jesus has created that boundary for every one of us so that we can know him, so that the brokenness no longer dictates terms in our life. But the love of Jesus Christ has changed. The gesture of heaven has changed things. Have you ever seen people that on Old Bathurst Road that put up a sign for someone's birthday? Happy birthday, Amanda. Happy 18th birthday. And uh, they, they just nail it to the tree and people go past and I'm sure that they must drive that person past that way at some point in that day so they see how special they are. What can I tell you, in Glenmore Park, they take it to another level. We have a little lake in Glenmore Park and there's a little island in the middle and uh, there's trees on that island and people must get a dinghy and go across in the cover of darkness at night. And then they put up a sign in the middle of that and it's like, happy 21st birthday, whoever the person is. And it must be powerful for that person. It must feel like a great gesture. I remember for Amy's 18th birthday, I decided to do up the exterior of her house with decorations. While she was sleeping through the night, I, I decorated the whole front of her house as an 18-year-old. It was a nightmare for Amy, who was an introvert, because she, she came outside and was like, now everyone knows it's my birthday. This is so embarrassing. And she's looking around. I thought I was champion. She hated it. But the cross is like a gesture of heaven. It's like the sign saying, I love you. It's like the sign saying, it doesn't matter about your brokenness and pain and sin. It doesn't matter about your past. I love you. 
I've created a boundary between your past, your sin, all the things you'd ever do wrong. And I put Jesus in that place and you are free. No longer are you dictated to by your brokenness. It's the power of Jesus Christ that has broken that chain. You live free by the grace of Jesus Christ. The six, our Father is our army to protect us. It says in Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Many of us spend so much time trying not to focus on our temptation by, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then we do it. Because what you focus on grows. Can I encourage you, instead of focusing on your temptation, start a new habit. Focus on something positive. Focus on something good. And as you focus your attention on that, it's amazing how your life will move towards that. Where your thoughts go, where your head goes naturally, your body goes. Where your mind goes naturally, there you will go. If our mind's drifting towards sin all the time and we're spending so much time telling ourselves not to do it, we'll do it. Create a new habit. Allow God to be your protector. He is our army. He's a one-person army. And He has us covered. He has us protected. And finally this morning, our Father wants everyone to align with His grace. It says in Matthew 6, 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But this is powerful. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. See, our Father's heart is forgiveness for all. And oftentimes we freely take that grace and that forgiveness But if you're like me, there's been times in my life where someone's wronged me in such a way where, oh, I'm feeling like it's really hard to forgive you. The founder of the largest church, Dr. Yongi Cho, he said, every day I forgive a lot of people because every day I hate a lot of people. (laughs) And isn't that true? It brings such a release when we forgive. See, unforgiveness is like marinating in your bitterness and before you know it you start what happens when you marinate something it starts to taste like that it starts to give off the fragrance of that your life will give off the fragrance of bitterness and anger and frustration and disappointment if you just allow yourself to marinate in that unforgiveness that's what's going to come off your life we've got to live free and say God you have freely forgiven me I freely forgive. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. And it seems so simplistic to say. Sometimes it's a matter of just constant forgiving. It's not a one and done. It's I have to keep doing it. You know what the Bible says? But taste and see the Lord is good. When we start to get the taste of heaven in our mouth, when we start to get the taste of forgiveness in our mouth, it starts to have an effect. It starts to change things. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could have gained, uh, sorry, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So I'm not setting aside God's grace. I'm not all of a sudden going to try and give different rules for everybody else than the rules that heaven had for me. I've got to let it go. I've got to forgive. I've got to move on. If the team want to come, I'm almost finished this morning. So let me read it to you one more time. Matthew 6, verse 7. And when you pray, Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. 
Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Hope today has brought a different perspective of the Lord's Prayer. It's not just a template of how to pray, but it tells us who our Heavenly Father is. He's our provider. He's our forgiver. He's our protector. He's the God that cares about every detail of our life. He's the God that doesn't just want a performance. He wants genuine relationship. As we start to understand who God is, it does a changing, transforming, transformative work on the inside of us. So would you stand with me this morning? If you're comfortable, why don't you reach out your hands today? It's a sign of just surrender. It's a sign of saying, God, I'm serious about my relationship with you. And Lord, today all over this building, to our Heavenly Father, today we say we want to draw near. The Bible says those who draw near to God. So God draws near to those who draw near to Him. And today we draw near to You, our Heavenly Father. We know that You love us. We know that You care about every detail of our life. And I pray that today You'd help us to grow in this relationship with You. For the times we've just made it about entertainment and performance, God, we're sorry. For the times we've disqualified ourselves because of the faults that we've seen in our own behaviour and therefore we've drawn back from You, God, we're sorry. For the times we've tried to do it on our own and just try to leave You as this distant God, we're sorry. And today, we don't want to leave this place the same. Today, we want it to be authentic. We want it to be real. We want our relationship with You to be genuine through the seasons and the ups and downs. God, we don't want to just put on performance. God, we want to get alone in our room with You and pray. God, we want to open that Bible when no one else is there and spend time listening to what You want to speak to us. God, help us to know Your voice just like a father would speak to a child. Help our relationship with You to be relational, not transactional. God, do a work in us. Help us to have a better perspective of who you are. We pray and we ask this all in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I don't know who in here today has a genuine relationship with Jesus and, and, and who doesn't, but I do know this, that we have the chance right now for every one of us to leave this place knowing we have a genuine relationship with Jesus. It's simply by a prayer, conversation with God, communicating with God. It's not about our fancy words or how we say this prayer, but it's our hearts saying, God, I want to have a relationship with you and allowing our hearts to open up to that relationship. It's not about us putting in all the work. The work's been done. Forgiveness has been bought for us on the cross, but we do have to accept it. 
We do have to receive it by a relationship with Jesus. So right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. And as we pray this prayer, if you today want to lean into that relationship with God, then I want you to pray this boldly and confidently this morning as we all pray together with your heart. And let's believe that God does something on the inside of us today as we draw near to Him. Dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. For my sin, I'm sorry. I receive your forgiveness and your love for me. Help me to serve you and live for you each day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you made that decision today, we'd love to encourage you on your relationship with Jesus. Because it's not just about saying one prayer here and now. It's about living on this incredible journey every day of knowing the creator of the universe, knowing you can turn and talk to him at any moment, knowing you can know him personally as you read his word and it opens up to you. Going on that journey of relationship with Jesus is the most exciting thing you could ever do. We'd love to give you a Bible and encourage you in that decision. If you made that decision for the first time today, just head out to our Connect Lounge and we'd love to help you and and encourage you in that. But let's finish this morning with worshiping our Heavenly Father. On this Father's Day, let's remind ourselves that even if you're a dad in this place, you're not the top authority. Our Heavenly Father is. And He's in charge. As Kevin Brett would say, He's large and in charge. And so let's worship our Heavenly Father today as we finish the service.